Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Hi. Hope you're all having a wonderful day so far. Uh, I'm Fazia Costi, and today we are talking to Jessica Caston, who's the head of school for Fusion Academy, and Clarissa Abijawdi, the director of outreach at, Fus- at Fusion Academy. And we are talking about finding the best school for your child. The concept of what is the best school has shifted a lot in recent years, as, as it should have. The conversation is not about who has the highest test scores, the most homework, or the rate of matriculation, I can't speak today, uh, to to the most well-known universities in education and with mental health. Parents, caregivers, and professionals need to look inward to their own child and find the environment that is the best fit for their individual needs, learning styles, and goals. Furthermore, the choice you make for your child is in elementary school may not be the best place for them to thrive in middle school or high school. We will explore family options based on each individual child and offer tips on how to advocate for those particular needs. So welcome, Jessica, and welcome, Clarissa. Um, I'm just going to give a quick little background for each individual. So Jessica is the head of school for Fusion Academy. She's earned her bachelor's degree in liberal arts from Hope International University before moving on to complete a master's of Arts and Teaching from University of Southern California. She's currently pursuing her doctorate through Grand Canyon Canyon University. I don't know what's happening with my voice. Jessica joined Fusion Academy in 2019, serving as the assistant director and launching her beautiful Scottsdale campus. Over the past decade, Jessica has dedicated herself to educating students throughout Arizona. In her free time, she enjoys traveling, reading, and playing board games with family and friends. So welcome, Jessica. And then Clarissa um, attended the University of Arizona and completed a bachelor's degree in psychology, continued her pursuit in the field of mental health, and she graduated from USC with a master's in marriage and family therapy. Clarissa worked in community mental health programs and in private practice as a therapist prior to joining Fusion in 2011. After a friend introduced her to Fusion California, she knew Fusion would give her the opportunity to help students realize their true potential. Clarissa loves to travel with her family and enjoys different foods and cultures from around the world. After being born and raised in Arizona, she's excited to return home after several years of living in Los Angeles. So welcome, ladies. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you. I, I, I don't know if our listeners, well, they probably are not aware of the fact that we've had a, f- a few years of knowing each other. So I'm, I'm really glad that we've known each other for, for as long as we have. It's been, in my opinion, a wonderful relationship. I, I love the fact that Fusion Academy exists. I love the fact that you two women exist and that I can refer my clients uh, when they need your services, and I know without question, without hesitation, that they're going to get the best education possible. And I truly mean that from the bottom of my heart. It's it's wonderful when I have a student that goes to your school and they tell me wonderful things about you and the school and the other students there. So it's, you you actually give your students an amazing environment and a wonderful learning opportunity. So let's talk a little bit about um, Fusion Academy, uh, and and maybe we can ask that question of Jessica. Jessica, what what is Fusion Academy? Tell tell us more about what you yeah, do. Yeah, so Fusion Academy serves students grades six through twelve. All of our classes, whether it's a full time student, part time, hybrid, tutoring student, all of our classes are served in a one to one capacity. So one student, one teacher. So they're really getting an opportunity to dig into the concepts and have a conversation and build a rapport with an adult in a way that, quite frankly, just isn't possible in a traditional school setting. So we're really proud of our model. We think it's very revolutionary uh, in terms of education. 
And like you said, you know, we do it for the kids and we do it so that they can have a positive experience at school uh, when oftentimes they come to us having having a negative experience with school. So we can kind of shift that perspective for them. It's like being homeschooled without being homeschooled. Yeah, without mom. Yeah. (laughs) Which I love. I actually um, I homeschooled my own kids for like a very brief period of time. Um, And then we did kind of a hybrid homeschool program. But I've also homeschooled other kids um, for other families. And there's a huge difference between homeschooling your own children and homeschooling someone else's. But I think what Fusion does is take it to the next level. You have the state of the art classrooms. You have the state, you know, the the teachers who specialize in, in their particular areas of expertise. So I think you offer something that even a homeschooler um, would not get from their parents who truly have their best interest at heart. So I think you offer that next level education, which I absolutely love. So let's talk a little bit about what is, what does it mean? What, what does it mean to be the best school? What is the best? How do I know my child's in the best school? How does a parent know that? Well, um, Fauzia, like you mentioned, you know, we've known each other for a while. So, you know, that sometimes we can be a little tongue in cheek when we're sure when we're having conversations. Right. And so that's kind of why we thought this would be a, a, an intriguing topic of conversation is because and, you know, best being sort of in quotation marks. Right. Right. Because, and, and I also want to preface our conversation today as, yes, this is definitely what Jessica and I believe in and why we're so connected and, and believe so strongly in the work that we we do at Fusion, but it's also, um, uh, you know, pulled from conversations that we've had with a lot of the professionals that we work with in our community, right? And so that goes to show that, as as I as you mentioned in our in our sort of introduction, that it is a developing conversation, and and rather than you know, it's morphed a lot, and, and like you said, I, I I grew up here, so I went to some of the schools here a, a long time ago, and um, and so then come back and looking at it through a different lens as an educator, as a parent myself, and understanding that we're able to have these conversations now that are more about finding the best fit for your child. And that's really the background of where we're coming from. Um, again, as educators, whether it's at Fusion, whether it's something else in the community, um, whether it's a combination of that, and also from, from our perspective at Fusion, just talking about Um, we have the good fortune because we're so personalized in the one-to-one setting of really meeting that student where they are academically as well as socially and emotionally um, and sort of piecing together those puzzle pieces that are going to make a student. And so to answer your question, you know, talking about the best school, where can we find an environment that's going to support a child and make them feel really good about the work that they're doing in the classroom, help them to make connections with other like-minded children, give them those, those not only beautiful aesthetic spaces to pursue passions, but, um, but also, you know, really hands-on experiences so that they have an understanding of what that could look like beyond school walls. Um, and, and also taking into account a family's values and taking into account um, not only a, a family or, or a student's goals, but uh, for, for current day as well as beyond, um, beyond their school years, um, but also taking into account life, you know, and how that throws curveballs at you. And sometimes you have to make those shifts and, and plan accordingly. And, and I think that's, um, you know, that's a lot of, of the work that Jessica and I do is really finding um, finding those parents and, and having those open and honest conversations about the unique aspects of their child and how we can either be a part of that or be a connector to something that's going to best support them. Yeah. And, and I think that's one thing that I really like about both of you two ladies, as well as your school, is that not everyone that walks in your door is going to be the right fit for you, but you're so well connected. And, and, you know, I, I believe in that same concept of having lots of people in your network, lots of people that you can connect with so that you can provide the best for that student so that that child walks away feeling great, their parents walk away feeling great, and that they're genuinely getting what's best for them. So I, I love that. Um, what are some of the things that parents look for in, in a school that's maybe customized for them? What are some things that you've heard? Yeah, I think one of the biggest 
things I'm hearing from parents is they're looking for frequent, open, and honest communication from the school. They want to keep a pulse on what's going on in the school. And I think through COVID, that kind of opened that door. And now parents are thirsty for that communication in a more consistent way. So whether that's daily notes from the teacher, whether that's you know, a monthly progress report, whether that's a quarterly meet the teacher night where you can check in face to face. I think parents really want to be in touch with their teacher team, with their school team and know what progress their kiddos making. And, and how often do parents uh, want those progress reports? You said that sometimes it's a daily note. Um, do you feel like, especially for kiddos that have more challenges, do you think that daily communication is more important? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that it also just gives a starting point for a dinner conversation. You know, the typical, uh, what did you do at school today? Nothing. Uh, The parents can pull up that daily note and say, actually, I see that you did a lab or I see that you did a project in the tech lab or, you know, it's that conversation starter that I think so many families kind of need that that push to, to start. I would also say that students and um, parents are looking for safety, right, is really important, Mm -hmm. Um, making sure that their schools are a safe place to be, and also opportunities to socialize. Again, going back to coming out of COVID, students were in their house on virtual learning 24-7, and now parents are looking for outlets for their students to get reconnected person-to-person, peer-to-peer Um, Whether it's going on a field trip or getting out for a club activity or doing some community service with like-minded teenagers, Um, they're looking for those opportunities to have their students socialize in a more traditional sense, face-to-face, not just over Zoom. Absolutely. And and I love that you offer that at your school as well. Even though you have the one-on-one instruction, you still have that opportunity where students can go and do homework together maybe have a cup of coffee together, whatever it is that they they can do to interact in, in a public type space. So that's yeah. wonderful. And I'd also say that, you know, structured socialization. I think sometimes we assume that students just are naturally inclined to know how to make friends and act in social situations. And not all of our students and not all teenagers are. And so providing them with social opportunities that do have adults present, that do have an activity present so that they can kind of learn the rules, so to speak, of what is appropriate social behavior look like? What does it look like to make a friend? And and how can a mentor or a teacher help me kind of build those bridges to friendships? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important, especially in a one-on-one situation, because the teacher's modeling that behavior. And that student gets to see, you know, that interaction in real time. And it's like, oh, this is this is how we talk to somebody we want to actually get to know. And 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 it's mutual, you know, it doesn't you can't just walk up to somebody and say, okay, you're gonna be my friend. <laughs> they have to like you too. And so, you know, it's um it's a very mutual thing. So a lot of kids don't get that, especially the younger ones. So it's, I love that structured social socialization. How do you offer structured socialization other than that modeling behavior? Yeah, so we do offer a class, a community minds class, what that explicitly teaches that social behavior. In addition, our homework cafe spaces are spaces that students hang out in in between classes. And that's not only meant to get their homework done, but it also there's games present, there's activities, and there's always adults present. And that's key, right? Um, and then all of our students stop for lunch 1230 to 130. So there's always trivia or Jeopardy or a movie day or a club meeting, something going on in those spaces during lunch that a student can, can join in on. Um, so I think that those are, and then field trips and community service off campus, of course. Absolutely. I think the key to to the way I get this question so much that I feel like I have um, I have a lot of the answers running through my mind constantly because well, I would love to hear those. Well, well, <laughs> you don't want to hear everything running through well. my mind, but um, I mean, I think that the it is. But the reason why I get this question so much is because it's really hard to conceptualize how how do we do the one to one instruction, but then balance it with a lot of that, those developmental scenarios that are so important, right? And so um, the, the foundation, the way that I think about it is we're teasing apart what sort of naturally happens in larger classroom settings for 
for, for some students. Again, like Jessica said, it's not for every student, right? And so they have their one-to-one -one instruction time, but that doesn't mean that the person that you're making friends with is the same person that you did the lab with or, right. you know, sat next to in ninth grade English, right? And so they have they have the classroom time where they can really get their needs met on the academic level either filling in gaps or challenging them further or you know figuring that piece out but then in that homework cafe setting or during those lunch hour activities or a field trip or something like that it becomes more of a natural connection to mutual interests and again people that they're interested in have common interests with and not necessarily just um, you know, have, have the same class schedule or, or things like that. And so it's, it's just a whole balancing act. But I think, like I said, that foundation is just looking at that individual. And, and we have so many opportunities for students, again, whether it's academic or um, on a social level, that, that we can just customize that experience. And, and again, going back to other school settings, even aside from fusion, I think that's, you know, that's really, um, something to look for is looking at your individual child and, and how, what their learning style or their social style is like and seeing if the schools that you're looking at and, and asking those questions of the administrators and, and um, the people that, that develop the program um, and, and figuring out if that pieces together well with you know, your child and, and helping them to grow and to nurture. Absolutely. Uh, what do you think is the top goal for seeking alternative learning? What should a parent look for? Well, Jessica mentioned the communication. I think that's a huge one. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I that I look at, um, just on a personal note, is is parent involvement in the sense of first of all, how open is the school to allowing for parent involvement, and secondly, how many parents are taking taking up on that offer. And, and part of that is because um, not necessarily, you know, the parents aren't going to write like the history curriculum or something like that, but at least you have like-minded people that want to be curious and want to have an understanding. And it helps us as administrators to understand how to drive the pieces like you're talking about, the social learning or, um, you know, the, whether it's field trips or, or parent education nights, you know, we'll oftentimes bring in speakers or or have presentations so that families can get educated on, on specific topics and like you had mentioned the modeling I think that's really great modeling for students if they you know mm -hmm. it's one thing if you have uh you know mom or dad dropping you off and they're like okay like you know go learn be be a good kid <laughs> but but then if you have the parents saying okay you go and you go to that you know, experience or something like that. And then I have this other opportunity where I can get involved in the school and it just, mm -hmm. it feels more of a, we're all on the same page um, experience. I think also, again, you know, working in a one-to-one -one setting, we work with a lot of different types of students. Um, sometimes they do need more support in areas of learning. Sometimes it's more of that mental health support. And so we're just um, really keying into that mentoring experience. Sometimes it's simply because they, they are, uh, they need a more flexible schedule. They have other activities that they're really pursuing at the at a very high level, more so than other peers their age. And so we can be really, um, really, really uh, meticulous with how we customize their schedule. Um, and so, as a parent, I think parents are are. I would encourage parents to also look at what resources are available either within that school or for example, like Fusion, within our network of community resources. So if your student needs additional reading support or needs additional um, speech therapy or, or something like that, how easy is that to fold into what they're already experiencing day to day on their campuses? Or is this something that you're really gonna need to piece together on your end? And again, something that Jessica and I talk about a lot um, you know, with our families and with our program is what, how, how well can that family do that, right? Like we don't want to put somebody, we don't want to enroll a family in our program or, um, you know, talk with somebody who, who needs a, a lot of additional services that they're going to have to piece together and, and they don't have the time or the bandwidth to do that. So, or the know-how. Um, Not yeah, everyone knows. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really appreciate that. I think that's, that's really important information to have. Um, what about academic rigor? How can parents understand 
what academic rigor is and, and how it impacts their children and how it impacts their families. Yeah, absolutely. I think it goes back to kind of what Clarissa was talking about, about the family goals, about the students' goals, right? What does that look like for a junior high student? What are their goals for high school? What are their goals post-secondary? And not every teenager has that figured out, right? And so No, most don't. <laughs> um, mom and dad might have it figured out for them, but we want to make sure that those kind of come into alignment. Um, but I just encourage parents to look at grading practices, ask around and say, how do your teachers grade assignments? Do you use a rubric? Is that rubric visible to the student? Is it reviewed with the student before the assignment's do, right? How much transparency is there there with grading? Similarly with curriculum, you know, do you guys use a textbook and it's a box curriculum and you go lesson one, lesson two, lesson three? Or if my kiddo knows lesson one through 11, can they start on lesson 12 by testing out? Right. Um, can we customize it? Exactly. So what can that look like? I'd also ask about teacher backgrounds, right? Is it uh, somebody that just has a substitute cert and their high school diploma that's teaching my kiddo, which is a possibility in Arizona? Or do they have a bachelor's or an education background or a content specific background? You know, digging in a little bit with the principal um, about what their hiring practices is. I always say I hire good people first and foremost because they spend too much time with our kiddos to not be good people, to not want to work with children. Right. Um, and so that ties back to academic rigor because. We don't believe at Fusion that if we don't show love and figure out how to motivate your kid, that a lot of teaching is going to happen. So there's not going to be a lot of academic rigor if we don't have good people, good teachers at the foundation of our program. No, um, I agree with you. That's a really good practice to have. I, I, you're right. Th those are the people that are going to be basically parenting your children in your absence. So yeah. they're very, their character is very important. Um, thank you for that. How, how, how do schools understand the level a child is understanding and how can parents understand this? So we do um, standardized testing with our students when they start and then we do it every spring. Um, and so we definitely have that baseline data to show, you know, where do they start and then to hold ourselves accountable to, to make sure that we're, we're showing growth. Um, but we all know that a standardized test doesn't tell the whole picture, right? And so we really want to dig into some of the narrative data from the teacher, some of the classwork and the coursework and the assessments that they're doing and the projects that they're doing cross-collaboration with other departments. So um, yes, the testing data is great and we want to show that because if they are going post-secondary, they're going to need, you know, to know how to do a paper pencil test. Sure. But uh, especially our kiddos are just so much more than a test. And so we want to really showcase those other pieces of evidence of learning as well. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about social emotional learning. What, what is it? What is social emotional learning? And, and why is it important in what you do? Well, you know, Jessica mentioned hiring good people. And I think of social emotional learning as an extension of that in developing good humans. And, and honestly, I mean, that's part of what's connected me to Fusion for, for so many years is that that's at, the that's at the foundation, that's at the crux of what we're doing. It is, it, yes, it's, it's the academic work and rigor and, and again, personalization and customization, but it's also um, really looking at each child as an individual and, um, and developing them to interact with the world around them in a very um, open and honest and uh, reflective and, and empathetic way um, so that we can, you know, how, how people always talk about, you know, oh, I, you know, I never used algebra when I grew up or something like that, but I had to take it so many times in, in high school and, or whatever the, the conversation is. And so we want to, you know, not only develop our fusion students, but also um, have that conversation with students and families to access ways that they can develop um, healthy learning with within their school settings, right? Um, and so we do, you know, we have some classes uh, that that are specific to um, to social emotional learning and development and things like that. But then it's also woven 
into the work that each teacher is doing in that one-to-one -one setting. As Jessica mentioned, you know, a lot of our social opportunities and, and um, you know, small group learning labs and things like that for students to be able to um, just understand how to put those skills into practice when you need something, need to address something, need to self-advocate, need to stand up for a, a person next to you. Um, what am I missing? Well, you know, all I'm hearing is it all comes down to modeling. You're modeling excellent behavior for your students and you are giving them wonderful human beings to interact with and learn from. And, and that I think is, is worth every penny uh, when you send your kids to school, whether it's through your tax dollars or, or private pay, it's, that's what you want. You want good people around your, your kids. And um I think that's wonderful. So we have a couple minutes before break. Um, I just want to um, quickly give people a way to connect with you if they'd like to do that. Um, I have your website is fusionacademy.com and the phone number is 602-661-3721. Is there any other way you'd like them to connect with you? They're welcome to email us uh, at scottsdale at fusionacademy.com if they have any questions or wonderings, we're happy to connect with families and share the resources and uh, network of professionals that we have connected with and continue to connect with. Thank you so much. Um, so if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can go to executivefunctioncoachaz.com. You can subscribe to our magazine. Our next issue, our fourth issue comes out in October. So if you have not received a copy yet, um, please go to our website, subscribe, and you can also look at the last three issues on the website. So uh, you can take a peek at what we've done and, and hopefully the next every issue is better than the last. So don't miss the next one. And uh, you can also listen to our um, radio show as well as go onto our YouTube channel and see this particular show behind the scenes. So we'll have this up in about a week. And uh, you can take a peek at it then. Um, we'll be back after these messages and we'll talk a little bit more with Jessica Kasten and Clarissa Abijaoudi of Fusion Academy. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Bozzi Acosti is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Bozzi works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office, or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fazia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Acosti or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Welcome back. I'm Fazia Costi, and today we're talking to Jessica Kasten and Clarissa Abijaudi, which, by the way, I've been mispronouncing her last name, so I'm sorry about that. Um, we've been talking to them about a wonderful topic, you know, about education and how to find the right fit for your child. And so um, we are talking, we're going to talk the rest of this show uh, about 
how parents can advocate for support uh, with their existing school setting. Um, so, Jessica, maybe I can start with you. What do you think parents can do to advocate for their students to help them create a situation where they're getting what they need? Yeah, whether the student is struggling or thriving, I would always encourage parents to reach out to the school administration, make sure that you know those people, make sure you have their contact information, ask about potential resources or referrals to local professionals. Um, Don't wait until there's a problem. Uh, Connect early and often and get those lines of communication open. I would also recommend, you know, if it's appropriate, reaching out to the special education team or the 504 team and just getting, again, those resources and connections early and often and see if they have anybody on site that's offering services like speech therapy or occupational therapy, um, or if they would refer you off site to a counselor or therapist or executive functioning coach, right? Uh, Just open lines of communication is, is the best, best piece of advice I could give. Absolutely. I I agree with you 100%. Um, I think sometimes it becomes tough for parents because a lot of schools don't have that referral in place already. Um, So parents really have to advocate. What do they do in a situation where maybe the school doesn't want to give them that information? Yeah, I would recommend reaching out. There's educational consultants that are all over our area that are really useful, educational advocates that are very very useful. And these are professionals that work for the parents, right, to make sure that they're advocating and getting the services that the student needs. And so it doesn't have to be an aggressive situation. It could just be seeking out resources and getting a professional's insight and, you know, Families that are in our area and looking to get that kind of support or referral out, we're certainly always happy to give that as well. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I just know for a lot of parents, it becomes very stressful when a school doesn't have the know-how or, or the information that they need. What are some of the indicators that a student isn't thriving? What do parents need to look for? Um, I mean, it's it's interesting. It's I don't think it's anything that is, um, you know, I don't think anything that we're going to say right now is going to necessarily be an aha moment, but it's looking for those scenarios where their behaviors or their, um, their academic output, it's not aligned with how you know your child in, a, in another setting or, um, you know, how you've seen your child maybe you know, reading to you or doing math flashcards with you or something like that. You know, where is that disconnect between what's going on at school and and that child that you know, right? Um, and so it could be things like consistently um, not not performing well either in a certain subject matter or or across the board. Um, things like a lot of behavioral challenges at school. Um, you know, either kind of disruptive behavior or maybe a lot of notes coming home from the from the teacher. Um, um, you know, maybe maybe communication home, like, oh, I had to move them to a different part of the classroom or send them to a different room in the school or something like that. And I say that because that's not necessarily an indicator that, you know, there's there's some new diagnostic criteria with the child, but there's something wrong with the environment or, or the best fit for that child. And again, it's not in agreement with what's currently going on. Um, withdrawal, you know, we we get a lot of calls at Fusion. We get a lot of calls from um, families where the child's just, you know, school refusal. They they physically they're so anxiety stricken they cannot get out of the car to go into their school. And so, um, you know, looking at alternative settings or even just having the conversation of what else can we do to help um, to help you be able to access school. Um, and bringing them to a school like ours, you know, can potentially just just make it a little bit more attainable for that child. I, I always say it's a, it's a little bit more palatable. It's something that they can um, wrap their mind around rather than walking into this setting that feels too overwhelming. Um, things like, uh, again, we'll get families that have, um, they have so much outside tutoring beyond the school day that the student is basically relearning all of the material beyond the school hours. And if you think about, if you make the parallel of a child's job being to go to school, imagine if you were working all day and then you had to go home and do it all over again. And that would be exhausting. exhausting. It would be exhausting for us and we're grownups. And and so you imagine a, a child having to navigate that when they don't have the development to be able to understand 
why that's happening or why their friends don't have to do that. And, and it's, it, again, it's, it affects them in, in multiple areas. So, um, things like that. I mean, tutoring is, is definitely beneficial, but I think it's just looking at those extreme scenarios. Yeah. Too um, much of anything is not good. Exactly. It also damages their self-confidence, their self-esteem. It's just not good overall. Yeah. I agree with you. That's, that's, it's a little rough for a kid. Uh, what are some examples of students uh, needing an alternative to their current learning situation? So what are you saying uh, when, when students come to you, what are they coming to, what are they coming to you from? Like, what is their current situation that makes it not work? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's an extension of, of some of the things that we were just talking about. So there's something happening where they're, um, they're not learning, they're not able to access the information in their current setting. Um, they're not able to navigate the social, emotional, or I should say the social elements of things, or, or maybe there's something internally on an emotional level that's going on with them. And so it's, again, it's, it's too much of a burden to ask that, ask the student to navigate a more traditional learning setting and work on their mental health. Um, so those are those are some reasons. And again, you know, families will come to us and it may be that they need to look for a completely different learning environment. And so they become a full time student either at a program like Fusion or at another alternative setting. Or maybe it's piecing together those resources and Fusion is a part of those resources. Um, maybe it's just doing one class with us. Uh, some students who have specific learning disabilities, they can opt to not take um, a class at their current setting and then they can just take it with us or, or like I said, setting up some, um, some, some more routine tutoring so that, again, the student is able to navigate their courses um, at, at the same level as their, as their peers without exhausting them mentally and physically. So maybe they could take math at your school. Sure. Maybe they have an issue with taking math at the traditional school. They don't learn well there. Exactly. So they can come to you, get that one-on-one instruction. It's yeah. similar to getting tutoring every day, but, but instead it's during their school hours. Well, exactly. And it's not, you know, I, again, I just think of these, of these kids that are asked to essentially relearn information or, you know, some schools, and it's not, it's not, um, it's not for lack of trying that, that other schools aren't able to support different types of learners, but you know, we're, that's what we do is customize our experience. And if a school is not set up for that customization, then, then they don't, you know, they don't have the internal resources. And so, um, the only options that they have available, again, can be super taxing on a child. So um, so thinking of it in that way. Um, and you had mentioned homeschool options, right? And again, that's also a very developing conversation. And sometimes I'll mention the word homeschool to parents and they're like, no way, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and, it's, and I'm not talking about you sitting down with a workbook and having to go through everything with your child. I'm talking about piecing together, like we were saying, you know, piecing together those resources so that and there's so many options out there so that maybe there are some, some things that either you do at home or that other, uh, you have an outside you know, tutor or instructor come and, and do that in your home. Um, but then you also have different enrichment programs or, or different experiences where they're around other students. And, and I, again, I mean, that was a developing conversation even prior to COVID, but where we are now, um, I think that we're able to, to pull out some of the experiences that were born from um, dire need in the past couple right. of years and then be able to say like, oh, actually we can use, you know, we can use Zoom learning to our advantage. Maybe when we're traveling, we can still um, Zoom into our class. And so we keep the family unit together by, by you know, keeping us all traveling, but then the student is still, you know, on task with their, their learning or, or like I'm right. saying. It, I think one of the things that online learning did is opened up doors or windows for people who <laughs> really wanted an alternative lifestyle. Like they wanted to travel, but still have their kids in an education environment that didn't require them to do the teaching. So I, I think it really does open a lot of doors or a lot of windows, whichever way you want to look at it. But um, how can parents build a network of resources for their child if they wanted to basically be the manager of their child's education and not just hand them over to, um, say, a public school? How, how can they do that? 
Yeah. So in Arizona, school choice is a huge movement right now, whether it's charter schools, public, private, uh, homeschool, there's lots of options and it's growing every day. And so, you know, getting onto those Facebook groups, getting onto uh, social media and finding those groups of people who are pulling those resources together. Just to give a brief anecdote, I've got a 15-year-old son. The traditional model did not work for him. And so that's exactly what I'm doing is I'm piecing together a program that works for him. It was not going to work to have due dates and a set schedule. He needed something that was self-paced. So we got a self-paced curriculum that he can go at at his own time. I've got tutoring at Fusion twice a week to support with those classes that he struggles with most. I've got a Zoom art class that I pull from and he goes to that. I've got a Dungeons and Dragons club he goes to once a week. So it really is as a parent, just finding these resources, finding other parents who think like-mindedly finding schools like Fusion that are willing to partner with you and work with your student and then running with it, right? Um, And I understand that not all parents have the capacity to piecemeal things together. And so that's why, you know, programs like Fusion and other programs that are more holistic or can be are great. Um, But there are just so many, I mean, this is an exciting time in education that there's just so many people that are willing and able to help and so many fun, engaging educational experiences for kids that the sky is really the limit in terms of what you could build for a student. I agree. I I think it is a really exciting time for education. And what I really love is how it customizes to the individual, because even though there's billions of us on this planet, everyone is different and not everyone learns the same. Not everyone has the same interests. And that is evident since we're little. I mean, if somebody has you know, an interest in art, they're probably going to have had that interest since they were little. It doesn't just magically appear when they're 20 or, you know, 16. It's it's probably always been there. So I, I love the fact that schools are starting to recognize this, that parents are recognizing this and that education is starting to nurture this and, and really uh, help develop individuals' skill sets, their talents, their their gifts. I mean, they, they really need to um, develop those gifts so that they can be the best versions of who they are. And I love that. I absolutely love that. So um, let's talk a little bit about support services or examples of other types of schools or that parents can explore. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, again, I mean, we work with such a wonderful network of providers. Um, I am I'm super fortunate to to be in this area and to have all of these connections so that when a parent, a professional, a colleague, you know, anybody asks me um, or, or brings something up and it's actually, I have friends that'll make fun of me and say like, don't tell Clarissa what you do because she'll start marketing it for you. And, and it's the truth because I'll just start, you know, putting those pieces together because I, I want people to feel that support and not feel isolated in whatever they're experiencing. And, and I want my friends to thrive, right? And so um, I think there's so many, right? There's, there's, and I encourage families to really um, talk about the nuances of, of what they're, you know, talk about it, talk about what they're experiencing and look for those professionals that um, are like-minded and that have those specialties, right? Whether it's a psychologist um, or a therapist or, or licensed professional counselor or somebody that has that specialty that works with that kiddo that you're looking for support from. Um, look for resources as a parent um, in tandem with what your your child is doing. Again, going back to that modeling that we were talking about, um, speech and language uh, support therapists. There's so many, when you start talking to people, um, you really understand, like I said, the nuances to it. And that's part of why I talk to so many people so that I can really you know, understand everybody's everybody's differences and and how they would connect with a student and and I think about those individuals that would be a better fit with with this um, this practitioner or another one um, occupational therapists um, they've developed so many a, a lot of occupational therapists have developed again really specific programs to work with a lot of different types of kiddos um, developmental pediatricians um, social social groups social learning groups um, you know, Jessica was talking about the, the art class that her son's in, other enrichment opportunities, other sports opportunities. And again, this doesn't have to be something that's happening 
happening on on the campus. But when you're looking at different enrichment opportunities in the community, it doesn't have to be traditional. Again, it's looking at what's the best fit for your child and for your family. Um, there's uh, there's just there's so many ways that you can assess your child, and we work with a lot of. Um, a lot of neuropsychologists that perform assessments for children and that will help us um, help us as again as parents as educators to really understand that child's need Um, uh, somebody like yourself executive functioning coaching and really you know I think of of your role as setting that student up for success and so they're able to navigate again whether it's a traditional or non-traditional academic setting it's helping that child to um, have a lot of self-awareness and be able to self-advocate um, in the different um, settings that, that they're navigating. Um, you know, we Absolutely. mentioned public schools, private schools, a lot of parochial schools will help, um, you know, because they're smaller, a lot of parochial schools will help navigate that, homeschool settings, online learning. Um, there's so many, so many options. It's just yeah. getting curious. Yeah, no, I I love that there's so many options because I think people will find what they need and they will be able to give their child exactly what that child deserves and needs. So that's wonderful. Um, You talked a little bit about executive functioning. Let's talk about how schools support executive functioning. Um, How do they assess when students are at a deficit for executive functioning? Yeah, so all of our full-time students, we give them a test called MindPrint, which I think parents have access to online as well. But that does test for executive functioning skills, such as short and long-term memory, attention, flexible thinking. And so that gives us a really good baseline of how that learner learns best. And not that we're going to fix or overcome some of those deficits, but more that we'll be aware of those deficits and giving the students and the teacher's tools for their tool belt, and how are we going to address these moving forward. So uh, if you struggle with attention, we're not going to be able to eliminate that necessarily with executive functioning tutoring, um, but we are going to make the student more aware of that attention deficit and uh, help that student understand that, hey, if you put a fan on while you're doing your studying, maybe that will help you focus more. Or if you get earplugs, or if you're in a one-to-one setting, it looks like you're learning a little bit quicker and a little bit faster. Um, And so just being more aware of what those deficits are and then starting to make the parents and the student more aware of them so that they can start to work to to overcome them whenever possible. That's wonderful. yeah, no, I, I really appreciate what you guys do. I, I think you have a phenomenal program. I think you have a phenomenal team of people that you, you've put together at your school. You, you actually, you know, make me feel better about the field of education because I know that when somebody's not doing well in a traditional or public school, that I can have an alternative to send them to. And, and it's not just in, in Scottsdale. I, I have access throughout the whole country, even your online version. And it makes me feel better just knowing that you're out there. And, and I say that, you know, with gratitude because there was a time when I didn't know. And, and it was very frustrating to have a student that had asynchronous development and I had no way to help them. So now, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a real joy to have somebody that can do that. So we have about four minutes before we end our, our uh, time together. And I wanted to ask you both, um, what is your last bit of advice that you would give a parent who's um, looking for um, an alternative way to educate their child? Any, any last bit of advice? I think just to piggyback what Clarissa said, get curious, get curious about what your students' interests are, get curious about where your student currently is placed, get curious about the schools around you, the resources around you, get on those social media groups, um, get curious about the funding sources potentially for private schools around you, Um, just continue to get to know the resources you already know and then expand that network so that if something comes up or if you know your student starts to struggle, you have those resources to lean on or those people to lean on in times of trouble uh, or in times of just wanting to get ahead or, or grow faster. Thank you. Uh, so last question, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? I would say chill out. I graduated in three years, my bachelor's degree in three years, and I would tell myself to chill out, just enjoy this time in your life, 
You're only going to get it once. Um, so just enjoy, enjoy college, enjoy the ride when you are there and uh, all the other stuff will fall into place later. Very good advice. Clarissa? Well, I, I mean, it's somewhat similar to Jessica, but I was probably coming at it from a different angle, which I would tell myself to have more patience. I think I, I did uh, run through a lot of things really quickly. And, um, and like Jessica said, just to be able to enjoy it. Um, and, and even to myself and, and advice to parents, um, not having shame around challenges that you're having, because once you talk about it, once you, once you sort of walk through that difficulty, you'll just find that the doors will open and that resources will be available to you that you can um, not only build a better life for yourself, but you know, for, the, your, for your family and your children and those around you. And I think you also find out you're not the only one. Oh, a hundred percent. When you talk, yeah. When you talk about something, you find out you're not the only one, and that uh, I, I think is a big eye opener for people in their twenties. Oh, I'm not the only person struggling with depression, or I'm not the only person struggling with whatever it is. So, yeah, I, I really appreciate that, um, ladies. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on today. Um, and if you'd like to get a hold of Clarissa or Jessica, you can go to fusionacademy.com. Or you can call them at 602-661-3721. And if you're looking to get in touch with me, you can go to executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And you can subscribe to our upcoming Executive Function magazine. You can also look at the three previous um, editions that we have already put out. Um, You can look at our testimonials. You can email me. You can contact me for a free um, evaluation, whatever you need. I'd be happy to help you out. Um, and if you'd like to give me a call, my number is 480-648-1122. And without you, we would not have this show. So thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.